0: All right. Hey, everyone. My name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist, and it is time for the tea. Tea Time with Dr. Tarver is a wellness-based podcast. It is not intended to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health provider. I want to welcome everyone to the last Tuesday in June, as we are closing out this series on Black men and mental health. We have had some great conversations this month on Black men, mental health, and the law, barbershops and safe spaces for Black men, and Black men in mental health counseling. So we are in for a treat. Tonight, I have a special guest for you that is going to be talking about Black men as pastors and dealing with mental health issues. So without further ado, you know that you can drop your questions in the chat and your comments, and we welcome those questions and comments, and we will do our very best to answer any of those questions that you have. So let's get going. I am very pleased and honored. It is my sincere pleasure to introduce my guest for today, who is coming around to talk with us about everything that is going on with pastors and mental health. He has been so kind (laughs) to come on the show. Uh, He came on um, as at invitation of me. He actually invited me to come to his church, and that's how we met uh, as I was talking about mental health. So he was kind enough to do the pleasure for me of coming back on my show to be able to do this favor. So we are going to get right into it, and let me introduce to you the right Reverend Dr. JH Flex the Third, who is going to be talking to you all about mental health today. Uh, he is um, doing a lot of good things in the community. I actually got a chance to come and meet with him and his congregation, and there are some great opportunities that he is going to be putting forth in the community. But I want to get a chance and go ahead and get into his his bio. Um, So if you all are bear with me, my computer is doing what computers do um, and showing out for me right here. Okay. All right. So I am going to not be deterred uh, because the devil seems to want to be busy right now with my slide not coming up the way that I need for it to. Um, But I will tell you what I know about Pastor. Um, Pastor is a man who has dedicated his life to Christ. He has done um, in his church Um, a lot of different ministries. One of the things that we were talking about is how he allowed people to come in and help with men who were coming out of an environment where they had been in prison and they were trying to come back into the community. And they were looking for resources, mental health counseling, getting set up with jobs, being able to address the things that we know are transitional when people come back out into the community. Uh, He has done mental health awareness in his church, which is one of the things that um, is a big plus for me, as you all know, because we know that spirituality and mental health and physical health all exist together, but oftentimes we feel like they're separate, and we feel like when we're members of churches that we cannot address our mental health, that that means that we are not having faith. Uh, he has a beautiful wife um, that uh, he has been married. Pastor, why don't you tell them how long since my computer is being absolutely obnoxious right now, tell them how long you have been married, sir? Ten years.
1: Ten years.
0: 10 years, Um, right? So that's a beautiful thing to be able to be married for 10 years. And how many children, Pastor?
1: Two. Two wonderful young adults in our lives.
0: And how old are those young adults in your lives?
1: One is 25 and the other one is turning 24.
0: Okay, that's a beautiful thing to be able to raise some beautiful children with a beautiful, beautiful wife. And we know that uh, it is challenging out here to be able to balance a family and be able um, to manage uh, pastoring pastoring in a, in a community as long as you've been in ministry. How long, Pastor?
1: It's been over 25 years.
0: Over 25 years. So um, I appreciate you all bearing with me, and I apologize, Pastor, for um, butchering okay. the beautiful bio that no Miss um, Georgia sent me, d- but d- for d- some d- reason it doesn't want to pull up.
1: It's tell them I'm, I'm just a an a shepherd. I am a Servant of God. That's it. okay. That's all. all right.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, if, if that's what we need to know, then we'll go ahead that's all. That's um, all. And, and get into those questions. So we thank you for your time and, and, and being a servant of God. So um I know that you have been in ministry 20 years. Um, and I know you also grew up. Uh, in the church. You have been around ministry throughout your life, and we have seen a lot of shifts, Uh, I imagine, over the course of your 20 years and even growing up in terms of just the types of things we're seeing showing up in parishioners now in Mm -hmm. congregations. Have you noticed uh, the mental health needs have increased, particularly since the pandemic and some other things have been going on? Are you seeing more um, people coming to you with mental health needs in your congregation?
1: Very much so. Uh, I think the pandemic has actually uh, magnified or the pandemic has um, pretty much intensified um, the underlining mental health issues that may have been there already, uh, but basically have uh, uncovered those. And uh, with the isolation possibility or with not having access to of, of going out as much, particularly when we were in the height of uh, the pandemic and the positivity rates were very high in terms of critical levels. Uh, and we're beginning to see some of that, um, some of those, the positivity rate increasing now. Uh, but yes, there have been uh, those who have uh, sought out help, which I think is very positive. Um, and so that's an encouraging uh, thing to see that there are those who will come and they may not recognize it as a mental health issue. They may come in for prayer. They may come in and saying, "Hey, what's going on with my faith?" You know. But if you are trained and equipped to to try and um, to to assess uh, or to differentiate between um, the faith and the mental health issues, and if one is not equipped, then you want to be comfortable referring that out to um a qualified credential um person like yourself professional like yourself to assist and help uh, because it becomes a team effort and not just an isolated long ranger that a pastor has to feel that they have to be all things to all the congregation.
0: I think that's an important component, Pastor, that you just hit on, being all things. We were joking uh, as we were getting prepared to go live. Pastor said, do I need to go put on a tie? (laughs) Uh, And how difficult sometimes it is for pastors to even relax and, like, focus on themselves because you are managing all of these other people that you feel like, hey, I need to Uh, make sure this is taken care of. And so sometimes you can get in a situation where you're like, well, I'm taking on way too much and I'm neglecting myself. Um, There was a study done in actually January, 2022, that talked about how Black Um, and uh, Latinx people will frequently come to pastors even before going to see a medical provider because you're a safe space, Um, definitely before going to see a mental health provider because they trust that you are going to guide them in the right direction. And I know that can put increasing pressure sometimes on pastors to be able to have these answers. Um, And as you said, to know my limitations, to be able to recognize when I may need to potentially Refer people out. Um, do you feel like pastors have um, felt this pull um, potentially because of all of these needs of this congregation to maybe be able to offer more services or be able to to deal with um, some of these issues because of people's maybe reluctance or discomfort with going into the community to talk to providers.
1: I, I think it really depends on if if that pastor is. Um, Exposed uh, to various um, models as well as various uh, shifts in paradigms and mindsets when it comes to pastoring. I think uh, pastoring uh, has to begin to assess the context in which they pastor, in which they minister. Uh, and I think if you have that awareness, um, then one can really begin to embrace that we don't have to have all the answers. Uh, I think one of the things that I learned, you know, while back in terms of looking at how can I be the best um, uh, facilitator uh, to congregants, uh, or members of our congregation, and I took a class or took um, some courses on uh, uh, coaching uh, and not Counseling per se, because I've done that. Have a master's in counseling uh, from University of Iowa, uh, but in coaching, life coaching, uh, where the position is instead of you being the person in the position to tell the pet, tell the person that oh, go into the past because he has all the answers. It basically helps them to to guide them to discover or rediscover um, and then uh, uh, really help them to engage and and, and really uh, process um, from a spiritual, we are from a biblical centric, from a Christological perspective, you know, in terms of having the Holy Spirit to help enlighten uh, where they need to go, how they need to go, even if it means seeking, you know, outside professional help, whether it's through a, uh, LS, uh, account, a social worker, whether it's a psychologist or a psychiatrist or whatever, it may be hormonal issues, you know, going and checking out with your, your medical physician you know, uh, asking the questions, you know, in terms of, you know, um, you know, uh, are are there on medications, you know, and being okay with, you know, them being on medication, that, that being on medication doesn't mean that that lessens your faith any more than, than anything else. So it's being able to, to try and help them come to that point that they don't have to be embarrassed by acknowledging mental health issues, particularly to the pastor, but the pastor has to be so very aware and being okay with asking for help and being okay of not having all the answers what I'm trying to say.
0: You hit a lot of points with that one, Pastor. Well, I want to definitely highlight that it does not mean that you don't have faith if you go and seek a medical or a mental health provider, um, it means that you're taking good care of you and you're utilizing all of the resources that you have available. Um, the other thing I heard you say is knowing these limitations um, and that sometimes there is that pool depending on how you're oriented, how you're trained, because I do know that uh, pastors are human beings too, and all of us have the different things that that come with us um, in our calling, and so sometimes we may have to address in our calling, hey, is there this need to take care of everyone at the point of not taking care of myself and so I'm maybe operating outside of what is my scope and being able to recognize if that's a challenge because I think that's important as we talk about balance because you Mm -hmm. are balancing so many needs you have a family Um, and I you mentioned your kids when you're 20s you've been in pastoring for 20 years so that means that your children were being raised as as you were pastoring. Case. Uh, absolutely. And being married. And so you're trying to balance um, a family and those responsibilities also with the needs of a congregation. And I know that churches have a lot of needs and then growth and um, buildings and all of these things. So what does balance look like in terms of managing all of those things, recognizing the training I do have or don't have, all of my time constraints, all of um, the different responsibilities I have, and then the resources that are available me available to me. Like what what does balance look like when we're being healthy in terms of um, our clergy and, and the community?
1: I think one thing to get to a place of healthiness and a place of prioritizing, uh, and that is one must be must deconstruct this this perception or this mindset of a, comp, um, a messiah complex mm-hmm. um a savior complex mm-hmm. um and sometimes that can plague uh pastors and believing that they are the savior they have the the cure all they have the you know the answer to all so i think you have to deconstruct that mindset that is an intentional that really is intentional um because we've been in if you've been in ministry sometimes we have good models we have good bad models in terms of how to go about shepherding the flock i just happen to be they have some tremendous senior pastors who took me under their wings uh past the late pastor Cameron alexander up in Atlanta, georgia uh, my father who pastored for 50 years and adopted um, um, um the late dr uh, fred uh lofton uh who was the godfather the godson of Benjamin Mays, you know, so of Morehouse So I just was blessed to have these persons who would tell me, you cannot do it our way. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you can't do it. Uh, and, and what they meant by that is that you have to make you have to make sure that you spend time with family. You know, um, it's like, you know, I remember my father and my mother when they would go to conferences, they counted that as their vacation. Well, I I when I got when I went with my wife and I you know, we don't count those conferences, those congresses as our vacation. Uh, they are separate. So because when you're going to those types of uh, events, um, either I'm going to be lecturing, teaching, mm-hmm. she's going to be going to classes, so forth, so on. So we don't see that as our, our time to spend together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have to intentionally schedule vacation time. Uh, the other thing to if we say that Jesus, we preach, we teach, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus, he's got away from the crowds, you know, he went up into the mountains, he had, you know, time to commune with the Father, you know, and we give those pictures of those images. Um, and so if we're disciples of Christ, then what does that say about us as under shepherds? Mm-hmm. We have to model that which we teach and preach. So mm-hmm. if we're saying Jesus took time, he was fully human fully divine. He was, he got tired. He had to sleep. So that means that we have to model to the congregation. So what we, we were very intentional of incorporating periods of rest in our schedule for our congregation. I think sometimes we can overstructure things. We can have a lot of things happening. We can be all the time busy and, and, in congregations end up burnout or people just say, Hey, you know, just too busy. We don't have, you know, you get so tired. Um, and that can be somewhat demoralizing, and that can be very, very, very um, stressful. So we've intentionally incorporated three weeks of rest uh, j- around the fourth of July, which we are. I'm on the period of rest. Then around the November Thanksgiving and around Christmas. So that time is to help families, you know, intentionally, you know, rest. in ministries or on rest, and so they we focus on. Uh, spending time in communion with God, praying, uh, but also going on vacations with our family. We encourage families to spend time with each other, spend time with the children, you know, revitalize, refocus, re-energize, then come back and let's continue this journey uh, as we follow Christ. So I think there has to be some some intentionality uh, to planning, um, prioritizing, um, balancing, if you will, you know, so that you can be refreshed and revitalized as well so you can continue to lead the congregation.
0: That is probably some of the most sage advice I think that uh, anyone can hear, which is you have to prioritize your self-care. You have to prioritize your balance. And I do recognize that when people feel pulled in a lot of different directions, sometimes it can be difficult for them not to feel guilty about taking time for themselves. I know some people are oriented to be caregivers And so they grow up in families where they're very other focused. So it's not about you, it's about other people. And so oftentimes I find that people who are called particularly to ministry, can grow up in environments where they're very other focused. And so then I don't know how to take time for me. I don't recognize when it is time for me to take that break. I love that three weeks. It is time for us to take this about, and I imagine there's probably some time around the holidays
1: Absolutely. that you take
0: for yourself too, around Christmas and Thanksgiving where a part we of are
1: period of rest.
0: Yeah. where we are off the clock. Yeah. Um, and so I like this notion of modeling, for the congregation, how to take care of themselves. Because I also know that in your congregation, you also have people who are other focused, and it may be difficult for them to say no to people and to be able to unplug, because sometimes it's easier for us to focus on other folks than it is for us to focus on ourselves.
1: But I think, you know, because, you know, Jesus always talks about, you know, uh, um, think of others, you know, think of, so we're, we're raised in that in that in that theological construct or that theological thinking that bi- biblical thinking, which is good, which is good, it talks about not being selfish. Mm-hmm. However, you have to be in a, you have to be healthy to be able to give give to others, you know. And so he also taught that you had to be good stewards over the body in which he's giving you. Yes. You know, sometimes yes. when we think of stewardship, we think of tithing, we think mm-hmm. of you know time, we think of talent, but we don't tend to see it as being good stewards of our mind, being good stewards of our body, being good Mm -hmm. stewards of our emotions, being good stewards. And that means we have to be okay and trust that in order for us to to keep clean, we have to make sure that we are able to have people that we can trust, that we can confide in, we can talk to, you know, because these emotions are real. I'm not not a proponent of you keep your emotions inside. You know, you just, you know, you just don't talk about it. You you know, um, I don't come out of that 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 kind of uh uh thinking. Uh, I believe the most healthiest way to keep healthy in terms of emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, is that you have to talk to people. You have to let people know how to treat you. You have to let people know what the boundaries are, uh, you have to know uh, how to respect you. Uh, and when you hurt, it's okay to acknowledge the hurt. It's it's, it's important to acknowledge the pain. So yeah. That's another way of keeping yourself healthy.
0: Absolutely. Mentally. Absolutely. Because often what ends up happening is we're not addressing this pain. We're walking around and we're holding this pain. It's going to come out in some way. It's going to come out in our ministry. <laughs> um, it's going to come out in our relationships. It's going to come out in our, in our, uh, our work environments, in our parenting. Um, it is going to show up in our cooking. Uh, you know, people always say that you can tell uh, if something was made with love. But I will also say that you can tell when someone is overwhelmed
2: Mm -hmm. because
0: they have internalized and they're not dealing with emotions. Now, you've hit on something that's really important because I do know that for some Black men in particular, this whole notion of expressing emotions and being able to talk about hurts and being able to talk about um, what they need and being able to ask people um, can be very difficult because I know that sometimes men are not socialized to give to have the permission to do that. Uh, We often give that to girls and women, but we don't necessarily give that particularly to black men. So some people feel like it is weakness, but I also recognize that there is this additional layer that is in place for for clergy, for, for particularly for black male pastors about, can I be safe? in talking with people. You mentioned that you need to have someone to talk to who you can confide in. Sometimes black male pastors do not feel as if they have that safety, that this information will be kept confidential, that I can trust people with my innermost thoughts um, and then not be used to hurt me at some point later, that people question my ability to lead if I acknowledge to them that I'm struggling. Can you talk a little bit about some of those dynamics?
1: Yeah, I think that's very, you, you're on point. You know, uh, I have a saying, saying to the congregation, uh, and that is, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Mm. I love you enough to tell you the truth. A part of that is being transparent as well, uh, to being authentic, uh, to being real. Uh, so um, when we, we have what we call a real talk for men, mm. uh, we're studying a book called um, um, The Measure of, of Godly." Men, uh, by Gene Getz, and it's every fourth Saturday at ten o'clock, where we're inviting men as well as boys. Bring your sons, bring your nephews, bring your you know whoever, uh, because it is there where we are talking. We're, we're getting men's to to be okay. With with expressing your emotions because the one thing that we actually have raised up in saying that if you express those emotions then that means you're weak you're flawed uh, some way you're not as strong uh, you're, you're, you're 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 these 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 labels uh, that we associate uh, with weakness and so what we're saying is that it's okay uh, for us to um, share our innermost feelings. Without feeling as though that someone is going to have this 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 perception that we are not uh, strong men, um, and so when we when we give permission to do that, we have to give each other permission to do that by coming together and hearing each other. But also, if we suppress those emotions, then those emotions are going to come out very very unhealthy, and usually the way they come out, they come out in aggressive behavior. They come out in in just really very explosive. Uh, and so many men say, well, the reason I stay silent is because I'm afraid of what m- may happen. You know, I may explode or maybe they, I may cross the boundary. So I just want to keep the peace uh, without understanding they're walking time bombs. You know, uh, I think for pastors, um, if we're not embracing being okay with uh, sharing our emotions, our hurt, our pain, Uh, being transparent with our congregation, then it tends to find its way being um, manifested in the pulpit. We can come across preaching angry. We can come across uh, being very uh, harsh. We can come across uh, being very legalistic. We can come Mm. across being very uh, condemning. Mm. Uh, And so we have to be aware of how that tends to impact upon our delivery. Uh, but also how we interact one with another uh, in terms of relationships. So I think those are the, as far as pastors are concerned, mm-hmm. having to be very aware of how those, in, the, by keeping those feelings inside, how they tend to manifest themselves in various ways in terms of our interpersonal relationships, as well as inter- relating interrelating with our congregation as well.
0: That's some excellent insight there, Pastor, because I do feel like, um... There, like you said, this stigma because none of us, I think, um, wants to appear as if we're incapable or we're inadequate. Um, A lot of people will talk to me about that they don't want to appear broken, um, and that they feel like oftentimes when they're sharing some of the very important things that you talked about, uh, then that makes them feel broken. They don't look at necessarily the other side of that of. Um, I'm internalizing all of this, and it's going to come out oftentimes as rage, as you were talking about, because we know that when, uh, particularly when we are depressed, and often depression and anxiety are the, the main things that people struggle with, when we are depressed and we internalize that, it comes out as anger. And so that hurt that is inside of me, this or numbness or not feeling validated or appreciated. And I know oftentimes pastors have talked about that they don't feel heard sometimes by their congregants. Um, They feel as if uh, what they're saying is falling on deaf ears, that they don't feel supported um that whereas they're extending all of this love and support they're not feeling like it's returning and you sit out and you look at um people in your congregation and they've got scowls on their face or um and so we often you know don't recognize that pastor's deal with disappointment um And hurt and getting disenfranchised and all of the other things that are going on in the world affect you all too, and that you have things going on in your own families and you have things going on in your own body and so there is this sometimes this expectation. Um, an unrealistic one, and I think you alluded to this earlier. Uh, uh, pastors, they, you know, they don't have all of that stress. They did, you know, We look at. Um, I, I forget the name of that show that was uh, based on on black male pastors, uh, and it it you know kind of embodied this lifestyle of oh you're doing all of, of this. LA. Pastors of L.A. I was like, I it's can't remember plan. the city. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes people feel and I've heard people say um, that they don't even feel like pastors should take a salary. Um, if you're no. doing God's work, then you ought to be covered. So, you know, yes. so all of these things that are coming at you, and yeah, where does that go? Because mm-hmm. I have to process and deal. With all of this kind of negative energy, um, and maybe these negative perceptions about me, and people get upset with you um, if you're not available to them, because some people do feel like you should be at their their back every beck and call. Sure, sure.
1: And, uh, and it's how you train. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I was blessed uh, when I lived in Tampa, Florida. Uh, to have a friend of mine, we we were not in ministry at the time. We were working for um, different. A corporations, and, uh, but we forced a, 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 a friendship, and both of us got called into ministry around about the same time, you know, except when I called, he moved to Atlanta, start pastoring, then I followed, moved to Atlanta, start pastoring in Atlanta, but one of the things that we 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 committed to, and that was, we would not let each other do things in ministry that would cause a disservice not only to ourselves, but also mm-hmm. to God primarily. And what that meant is that we said we will make a pact to keep each other accountable. Mm-hmm. If I said something or he knew that I was doing something, if he saw me doing something and vice versa, then he would call me on it. Now that has been over a 20 year period. He, we talked to each other three times, at least three times a week. He lives in Atlanta, I he live here. He pastors in Atlanta and I pastor here. And one of the things that we all we, we've said, our relationship, is based upon honesty, transparency, and trust. If I see you doing some stupid flakes, I'm going to call you on it. If I see you going across and you're just really not being transparent or honest, I'm going to tell you about it. It may, it may injure our relationship, but I, I believe God can repair it. Okay? If it's genuine, I'm willing to risk the relationship. And so that's the that's the relationship that we have, we, 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 we have with each other and keeping other account accountable. And I think pastors need other pastors that they can trust, that they can confide in, to share with in confidence, and they hold each other accountable, not to enable each other, mm. but to hold each other accountable, to risk the relationship. There's a passage that talks about. The injuring the relationship mm. and it doesn't mean injure in terms of of of, of, of physical but it means mom and our grandmothers and our grandfathers would say you need someone that's not going to always tell you what you want to hear yeah you know and so we need that within ministry so that we can keep um uh, a balance a healthy um perspective because sometimes pastors um we want to think that we're invincible mm-hmm. um we want to think that we're unapproachable mm-hmm. we want to think and th- there's so many different models out there you know i tell people i don't need nobody to carry my bible i don't need nobody to white sweat from my brow i don't need nobody to do i don't need armor ba- and i'm not i'm not condemning nobody i mean whatever yes. i don't yes. need armor bearers i don't mm-hmm. i you know i can carry my you know i i you know so I think there's something that we have to really continue to process through yeah. in terms of this ministry that we've given, been given the privilege to mm-hmm. participate because it don't belong to me. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I'm very clear about that I think is a healthy way of thinking, and that is my daddy shared with me. He said, he said son, if you ever put this piece together, the congregation do not belong to you. Mm-hmm. If you can really Process that and connect that. He said, You shouldn't be using personal pronouns. You will not hear me say my church. Mm. You will not hear me say my deacons. You will not hear me say my choir. You're not going to hear me saying my anything. Mm. I do not use possessive personal pronouns mm. because that tends to imply and explicitly communicate that this belongs to me. I'm very clear on who they belong to. So I may be very concerned about certain issues, mental health issues, but I do not internalize it to the point that I take it home.
2: Mm.
1: That doesn't mean I don't care about the congregation, Mm -hmm. but I'm Mm -hmm. very clear that if we say cast all of your cares upon him, that's what I do. Yeah. So uh, but but I just want to share that in terms of hopefully help someone to to really shift that paradigm um I, I was reading something that said you know why do we cry over another man's wife
2: mm.
1: Mm. why are we crying over another man's wife mm. church has a bride he already the church has a groom. Mm. he calls it his wife. Mm. I'm an under shepherd. Yeah. I'm a servant. Mm-hmm. So I love, I love Christ mm-hmm. is his church.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: And I think these are the types of, of, of cl- the clarity in terms of knowing who, who the church belonged to, uh, that helps us be free to be servants that are being led by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to carry out His mission, mm-hmm. and uh, so when I say that I'm not the visionary of a church, I'm not a visionary. People look at me and say, "Oh, what? Oh, I don't want to be." No, I'm the execute. I'm the ex. I'm the. I execute the vision that He's mm-hmm. already given.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How can I become a visionary of of a of a, of a spiritual organism mm-hmm. that was not birthed by me? I didn't die for. Mm-hmm. So how can I be a visionary of of a a spiritual organism? And so I'm very clear on who it belongs to. And that helps me sleep well at night. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Well, it it protects you, right? So you're talking about these boundaries and accountability, having that accountability partner. One of the things we talk about in our ethical training as mental health providers is how comfortable you can get over time and you can lose yourself Because you begin to get lax. And in that becoming lax, you begin to do things that are damaging. And you mentioned this earlier to yourself and to the people for whom you serve. Yeah. And one of the things that keeps you accountable is having peers who will tell you, hey, we need to address that.
2: Yeah.
0: I saw you do something that has me concerned or... Consult with them, preferably before you do something.
1: <laughs> preferably
0: <laughs> before you. But I'm hearing you because I think that is one of the things that happens can happen is hubris, this arrogance that we begin to forget who we are,
2: and mm-hmm. we begin
0: to see ourselves as um, all things
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to
0: all people in all ways.
1: And, and I think, and you're absolutely correct, because I say to our deacons all the time, is that while we work together, uh, I see us as uh, working for the same Christ. I see us mm. working for the same uh, Jesus. I see us working under the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. So mm. I don't see them as demons. I don't see them as unsaved. I don't see it as an adversary relationship. But what I do see it as is, is, is that that they are? We hold each other accountable. Yeah. So I'm saying that I depend upon them. If I if they see me doing something that one that is not representative of Christ, I expect them one to pull me aside. Let's sit down and talk. Do it in a respectful way, so we're not basically going at each other in a mm-hmm. very adversarial as mm-hmm. Satan wants us to do. Mm-hmm. And so we have that kind of trust relationship, but we also have a respect one for another. But I think sometimes what happens, we tend to have uh, very dysfunctional relationships within the body of Christ. And so if we have not been taught or if we have not been modeled or disciple what a healthy relationship looks like from a mental health perspective, we're always finding churches being toxic, finding churches being um, adversarial and, 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 and divisive as opposed to the mental health, the, the, the mental health piece is that we are to take care of one another mm. and we are to be there to support one another, not just in telling each other what we want to hear, mm-hmm. but if I feel as though that you're crossing boundaries, if you're being inappropriate, if you're, if you're doing things that are out, that's out of character then, as a brother or sister, then we are we are saying, "I love you enough mm-hmm. to pull you aside and say, maybe you need to get some help with this.
2: Absolutely, you know. Absolutely,
1: um, maybe here's here's a recommendation. Go and get, go and just find out why why mm-hmm. this why such anger, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: why 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 such um, um, uh, wide range of." emotions mm-hmm. you know if there's grieving mm-hmm. you know why not you know what 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 here's someone that i would recommend that mm-hmm. you go in and talk to about you know the death of that loved one the death mm-hmm. you know of because sometimes we feel as though when we go and we receive we go to get mental health uh help that we're crazy and we have to continue to deconstruct that kind of that kind of uh, mindset uh and we have to talk about it we have to openly talk Absolutely. about it like you're doing
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think the other piece is that people are seeing you doing it, you know, and what that does when, like you say, I'm an underservant, but what happens because I'm a servant leader is when people see me modeling this behavior, it affects one, you have other black men who see you talking about emotions, who see you addressing things, who see you, who see you holding other people accountable because we know this is how uh, trauma continues to happen is that we have a culture of silence. So, if there are inappropriate things being done in the church and we're yeah. not addressing them, that keeps them going, that keeps them living. We're feeding yeah. this culture of unhealthy behaviors. Yes. Um, and so, how do we remove people um, in our church or causing other people to be unsafe
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who
0: are predators? Um, Or who who may be tearing people down. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that, yes, when people are dealing with stuff, and you've highlighted this uh, earlier in this this dialogue, is that now you're lashing out because of stuff you're dealing with. You're grieving, um, or, or maybe you've got some depression, or maybe there's some family issues. Maybe you don't feel validated and worthy and whole, and so you're holding on to something real tight. Because you want to be able to have some control over things because you feel like other things are, you know, and right. So we're fighting over positions in the church or where. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I don't have the type of people in place who can call those things out, then essentially I'm giving permission for them to continue to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think sometimes what we do is over-spiritualize things,
2: Mm. you
1: know, and and when we over-spiritualize things, then that gives us cover sometimes. You know, I I say to people when we talk about, uh, you know, touch not my anointing, Mm. you know, my anointed. Mm. And so when we start looking at the context of that um, in the Old Testament dispensation, that had reference to kings. Touch my my anointed, my prophets. But in today's context, um, if you are born born again, believer in Jesus Christ, then you are anointed. Mm-hmm. because christ is the only anointed one and you are indwelt you are you are part of the vine you are a branch that's connected to the vine mm-hmm. and so he has empowered us he has set us aside as anointing consecrated anointed consecrated holy mm-hmm. you know to for his purpose and so that means everybody is not to be horned. Mm-hmm. touch not my anointed that means we, we we're not to mistreat one another mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to we use that to weaponize or to pastors to hide behind when there is um inappropriate uh behavior or misconduct or whatever mm-hmm. in, in, in 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 passion- and I'll say this you know because I say to again our 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 deacons, I say, if I go and do something egregious, I love my wife
2: mm-hmm.
1: but if I get entangled with uh, an affair, mm-hmm. and deacons know about it. Don't talk about it. Pull me aside. Mm -hmm. Sit me down. There's two things that I'll expect you to do. One, get me some help. Yes. And if I have any decency in me, then I'll either go and get help Mm -hmm. with my wife or I'll resign. Mm -hmm. I don't keep doing it over and over and over. Over And 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 then I'm I'm Mm -hmm. using the excuse touch not my anointed. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: then you attract people. And I'm not Mm -hmm. talking about, I'm just saying that sometimes we use certain things in terms of biblical mm. scripture mm. to justify or to keep behaviors mm. that are not healthy. Um, and, 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 and people think, well, this is just, you know, this is pastor, this yeah, pastor the past. Yeah. The way it is, you yeah. know, we've always done that way. You don't touch the anointing. I know, mm. you know, no, no, you, you, you hold accountable, yeah. you know, and but if the pastor don't teach that, then who's going to, You know, it it it, is saying, well, it's okay, and Mm. it's not okay. It is not okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. Because I think what we have to do is to make sure that we respect women, we Mm. respect these girls that's coming up, respect Mm. the boys, respect children, absolutely, respect children. Mm -hmm. We have to set healthy boundaries Mm -hmm. around them. Uh, we cannot set up, you know, uh, double standards. Yeah. Uh, But we have to be healthy. Mm -hmm. We have to take care of our mental health. That we don't be giving into these feelings of insecurity, the mm-hmm. feelings of insufficiency that we need validation, mm-hmm. you know, in these unhealthy
2: ways. In yeah.
1: unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. You know, if I start seeking validation from the congregation, I am in trouble. If I if mm-hmm. I'm dependent upon their validation, mm-hmm. that every time I spend and I speak and I preach and mm-hmm. I'm looking for them to tell me, well, oh, Pastor, you really, mm-hmm. really preach today, you know, and I could have failed, flunked, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. but I keep looking for that validation. Mm-hmm then my question is, well, who become my real audience? Mm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: My preparation mm-hmm. is not for the for the for the for the for the, for the congregation, yeah. and I'm talking about mental health in oh, terms absolutely. of how pastors should be be absolutely. really keeping themselves, you mm-hmm. know, really mentally, emotionally so that they don't fall within these traps of addiction, Mm -hmm. uh, being addicted to approval. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Come on, Pastor. That that way, you Mm -hmm. know, my audience is God. When I prepare, I'm preparing that I Mm -hmm. handle his word, that he will say, well done. Yeah. Now, the Holy Spirit is going to take it and use it, and he's Mm going to convict whoever he's going to convict through the message. But for me to think that I have the power Mm -hmm. to change anyone, Mm -hmm. then I'm taking on again a messiah mentality. Mm-hmm. I'm taking on a savior mentality and I'm taking on a God like mentality. Mm-hmm. So I just offer that to pastors as well as to those who are in Christian education mm-hmm. that that we are we're I just say I'm a paper boy. Mm. <laughs> Delivering. I'm a deliverer. That, you know where it goes, the Holy Spirit's gonna take mm-hmm. it and He's going to do what he's going to do. I'm not the one that's going to convert. I'm not the one that's going to convict. Mm -hmm. I'm not the one that's going to compel. Mm -hmm. I understand that I am the seed thrower. Yeah. And I pray that it land in good soil.
2: Yeah.
0: That's a great word, Pastor. And I, you know, I I want to tell you how much I appreciate that. We got a a comment about what a great um, discussion. Uh, Because, and and I will share with you, I've not seen, um, I've not always seen, things resolved in healthy ways in churches when people have brought to a pastor um, that there was um, behavior that was inappropriate um, conducted by a deacon or someone in, in, in in because a church didn't want to be embarrassed because they didn't want to have this information get out because they didn't want to have someone look at them again because they're looking for that validation and 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 confirmation then it was swept it wasn't dealt with. And we know, that, unfortunately, there is a legacy, um, uh, that, you know, for some congregations where there has been a perpetual cycles of abuse and folks have just been moved or paid off. And what does that do, um, to a, a body of believers when I bring something up and it's not addressed because like you said, this ego, this complex, there's all of these, these worth, it's all of these things that are unhealthy, um, Interfered with me being able to be given the healing that I needed. Uh, And not that you have to do the healing, but that you call out the behavior and you address, hey, this is not a place where this kind of behavior is going to to be tolerated. And that message that it sends to your congregants is inbound. Devastating. Oh, gosh.
1: You know, it's oh, devastating God. that the message that's given when it's not dealt yeah, with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, absolutely. I, and, I, and I say, and, and let me just say this, because we are a hospital. I believe church is a hospital. Yeah. I think we all mm-hmm. have issues. I think we all come with our issues. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, however, uh, it is also a refuge. Mm-hmm. It's also a place where healings take place. And And so a part of that healing is trust. A part Mm. of that healing is accountability. A part of that healing is transparency. And a part of that is being able to say, I can be, I can share something Mm. and know that it's not going to be discounted. It's not going to be Mm. minimized. Mm. Um, And so Mm. a matter of fact, tonight, and it's it's by, not by happenstance, I believe it's the providential will of God. We had our deacon's Zoom meeting and I just talked to them about um, there's this sweeping across the country where there we, we know where priests have been um you know exposed in terms of their misconduct mm-hmm. uh we talk about you know southern baptist convention you mm-hmm. know 250 pastors you know have come out and been allegations i put mm-hmm. you know but we cannot ever think that we're immune
2: yes cannot happen yes. to us um, yes. I don't
1: say we go witch hunting anyone. We mm-hmm. all fall. And that's why we have to have accountability. We Absolutely. can basically, but I just talked to them the night and saying, hey, the, the way we pastor today is mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. We have to understand the context. Mm-hmm. We can't be making comments like, hello, darling. How you doing, sweetie? Yes. You know, that dress yes. fits you so well. Mm -hmm. you know, we may have good intentions, but it don't always mean Mm -hmm. it's going to yield positive results. Absolutely. People are dealing with trauma. You don't know what, you don't know what, how, you know, that hello, you know, coming Mm -hmm. from that may, what, how that may impact that female, how that, uh, you know, how that may trigger something. And Mm -hmm. so we have to be very careful Mm -hmm. in how we interact and how we, what we say. And we just came, we had two Mm -hmm. two attorneys who Mm -hmm. basically said, hey, Y'all gonna have to basically be changed the way that y'all talk to people. Absolutely. You know, no. because absolutely. we live in a litiginous society. Yes, we do. Okay. We do. And so we have to make sure that mm-hmm. we are not um, um, um talking down or we're mm-hmm. not using language that would basically um cause women to feel you know devalued, mm-hmm. but also with men.
0: With men well. too. I'm glad you, you know, said that because we, we, are, we yeah, be absolutely. That. Uh, children, so we, absolutely. Children, absolutely. Children,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. So we we just had that conversation that you know we have to. As a matter of fact, I'm sending them information in terms of how to handle sexual misconduct within yes. the congregation, being aware of what that looks like. Outstanding, you know? and that goes to for the pastor, it goes for members, it goes for leadership. So if we don't have those hard conversations, mm-hmm. then it can communicate that we we don't we don't it, we we don't want to deal with it, and it's the big elephant in the room.
0: It is, but I'm so happy that you all are addressing it, and then you have policies in place that you brought in lawyers um, because these are the preventative things, right? So we talk right. about it's always better to be preventative, um, to, to not pretend something's not going to be an issue. Our church is, is, has dealt with sure. and will deal with this at some point in the future. It sure. may not have been called this at the time, right. um, but someone experienced this, and we don't want people to experience this. So I'm so thankful. Um, and this uh, it, I always tell people, if you don't have policies and procedures in place in your, in your congregation, then you're setting yourself up. Absolutely. You are a lawsuit waiting to happen. You are an HR issue waiting to happen because you're pretending like these things are not something that happens in the church. Of course, the church is full of people too. You think that uh, the church is immune. It's not. And so I'm just very thankful that um, you're able to hear God's word in that because Sometimes, as you said, people use God's word to dismiss, to deny. Um, unfortunately um, and how does that make someone feel mm-hmm. uh, when they bring an issue forth and like oh no no you just took that out of context you're being sensitive
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know they didn't mean it that way right no, so how right. about we not say it <laughs> no, we right. be mindful of how we're touching people and how we're engaging with people and what um, so that it's we ask asking for
1: permission Yeah, come it's on permission.
0: permission come on permission um, and there is only one type of permission and that is an enthusiastic yes that is only consent That's it. Uh, So people are squeam, uh, hesitant, or that's a no. And being able to absolutely being able to talk to people about the nonverbals and body language, and you don't have to hug someone in order to communicate that you value them.
1: Exactly. Exactly. There's other ways to do that. There's other ways to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well, Pastor, you have mentioned a couple of things, and I want to kind of get into this. I think this is a good segue. Pastors and suicide. Right. So we unfortunately, um, I think, are just devastated and confused anytime we hear about particularly a black male pastor completing suicide because we think, well, what? why would they? You know, we have these struggles already with suicide and faith, um, but we have these these struggles as well with life couldn't have been that bad for you. You're a pastor. Um, and so, you know, these misperceptions that pastors don't struggle on a level where that darkness um, can surround you. And particularly often connected with a scandal uh, for some people is because, like you said, those boundaries got lax um, and there wasn't that accountability in place. And now I'm in a situation and I don't feel like I have another recourse of action. Can you talk a little bit about um, maybe some of the factors that could be contributing to black male pastors completing suicide?
1: And and it's a very, it, it hurts um it's it's painful um and you already said it's it's very confusing uh but I think the one thing that we have to make sure we understand is that suicide is not the unpardonable sin Mm -hmm. that does not give permission for anyone to go Mm -hmm. out and that's Mm -hmm. not the answer either Mm -hmm. um but I think the one thing that we have to understand that pastors um, have, have to struggle with insufficiencies, insecurities, um, again, caring, feeling as though they have to carry the whole weight of a congregation on their shoulders, um, not feeling as though they have an outlet, or either perceiving that if they are able to share and be transparent, how are they going to judge it you know, mm-hmm. if they, if they have, if they made a mistake, am I embarrassing the congregation? Am I embarrassing my family? Am I, embar- what are they going to think? So there's this image issue, uh, that, that many may have in their head. And the only thing they may see is, uh, maybe the best thing they can do is to relieve the pain. And I believe that many persons who commit suicide, they're not committing suicide to kill themselves. It is to relieve the pain. The pain. It's relieve the pain. Yeah. So if we are attentive to the pain, Mm. and sometimes it may not mean that a pastor will come out and say, I am hurting, Mm. but look at behaviors Mm -hmm. in terms of how one may isolate one's demeanor, one may not be as um, um, uh, connected as once was, that we can be attentive Maybe that pastor stopped all of a sudden. Was always going to certain events, and all of a sudden, that pastor comes up missing in terms of just not wanting to talk. Maybe you were talking and having conversation, and all of a sudden, you saw that that those those connections began to dis, de, began to decrease. And being able to ask the question, "Hey, what's going on? Mm. You know, uh, how can I be there for you? How can I uh, assist in any way?" Without many pastors are afraid people are gonna judge them you know? Um, and so we have to make sure that we do, um, and I, I, I say a lot of times, no judgment. Mm-hmm. I'm not in a position to judge. Not. But I am in a position that I can help, mm-hmm. and I can provide, you know, a listening ear
2: mm-hmm.
1: without having to feel as though I have to fix it Yes. You know, and a lot of pastors feel like they mm. have to fix things. Mm-hmm. And some feel that they're unfixable because mm-hmm. they've done things and said some things that they will not be forgiven for. Yes. And I just believe God has it, there's only one sin that's unforgivable, and that is the rejection of Jesus the Christ. Mm-hmm. In Mark chapter chapter three, it talks about all sins are forgivable. Yes. All mm-hmm. except one who deny the the, the presence of the holy spirit who points us to christ mm. blaspheming against the holy spirit mm. you know so uh i i believe that um i i when people say well you know how could that pastor do that you know um i don't have that answer mm. i think that has to be answered for that pastor with god and and, have, and and people say well you know uh well he he didn't have faith how do you know mm.
2: mm-hmm Mm-hmm. You know,
1: how do you know? So we have to not try and interpret mm-hmm. and try and 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 make sense out of something that we, we we don't know. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, uh
1: and so um we just have to be a listening ear and encourage pastors who may be finding themselves and we have I, there are pastors who have suicide ideations.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, just because you have a suicide ideation does not mean you have a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, I know when I when I was doing crisis management and was training crisis management to assess suicidal ideations or suicidal um, levels of progression, where they would get to a place. The one thing you say is, it's okay to just say, "Hey, how you? If you had to, to do it, how are you going to do it?" Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take some pills. You know. Well, what level is that? As opposed to, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna take a gun and I got a 45 and I got it cocked and mm-hmm. I'm gonna plant it at 10 o'clock. So nobody's around, I start telling everybody, you know, hey, I, I'm, I, I love you, I, I may not be around, just take care of material, you know, we have to be aware yes. of, you know, and so the more specific the plan is, then that's the more of the severity of,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: but the the thing is, is, is not, I always say to people, you know, you shouldn't feel that way, say, when I, when you tell a person you shouldn't feel that way, that's tell that person that you're not human,
0: Absolutely, you're, you're being dismissive for, of their being experience. Being very
1: dismissive. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and 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 so why would I want to talk to you when you tell them I shouldn't feel I'm, I'm hurting? You tell them I shouldn't mm. feel. I
2: shouldn't like hurt.
1: You know, so mm. that says to a person that hey, yeah. you shouldn't feel at all. Mm. So so I think we have to be trained. I think mm. we have to be uh, as pastors and also lay persons. Uh, we have to have affiliation and connections with excellent providers and clinicians like yourself that that's not afraid to say come in and talk about mental health to our congregation mm-hmm. you know uh just because you want medication don't mean that you're less faithful or mm-hmm. less have mm-hmm. no take take your medication mm-hmm. and keep praying come on. Know, that, all, that's, that's, all of the that's above all, that's all <laughs> the above you know what i'm saying you know keep praying but take your pill you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying it's all right it's okay you know, mm-hmm. if you're bipolar, you know, then make sure you basically make sure you have medication that's appropriately dosed. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, some people say, well, I don't like taking it because, you know, uh, it makes me drowsy. Well, talk to your doctor in terms of the dosage. Maybe you need to cut it back, whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think for suicide, you know, we, we just have to be more attentive, mm-hmm. uh, particularly to pastors who who are, are, are expressing senses of overwhelmness. Yeah. You know, uh, not you know. Some pastors feel like you know, hey, you know, I'm I'm out of here. You know, mm-hmm. and my my question is, what does that mean? Out of here? Yeah. Does that mean clarify? You know, mm-hmm. I think one of the, mm-hmm. the one of the, the 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 most effective tools of communication mm-hmm. is clarification, but it's the That's least right. used. Mm-hmm
0: because we're afraid we're afraid if we ask yeah. questions that may plant ideas or we may be suggesting and we're uncomfortable like you said yeah. we're not all trained we're not all aware and so we don't know what to do and so and push we them end over up,
1: the
0: edge yeah so we end up like okay well i'm just not gonna say anything um but i'm hearing you say check on your pastors yeah
2: pay pray attention
0: for pray for you um have things in place. The training sounds really important. You mentioned a lot of things. You mentioned attorneys, which I'm, you know, any because church is a business too. Um, uh, There's the spiritual side of it and there's the business side.
1: There's a business component. Uh,
0: Absolutely. So as the business, we need to have uh, consultation with attorneys. I heard you say making connections with local mental health providers and knowing what resources are available. So you don't put yourself in a position of thinking you have to be all things when you have adequately trained people who can handle the things um, and you don't have to feel like you need to be responsible for and take care of everything. Um, I heard you say making sure there's accountability. There's people in place who are trustworthy who are going to call things out pull you to the side because we know that there's a time and a place Um, but be able to pull you to the side and say hey pastor I'm a little worried about you I saw something that's got me a little concerned Um, and be able to have those frank and open Mm -hmm. discussions and I heard you say also pastors need to have other pastors Sure. Um, Who you can be vulnerable with, who you can be transparent with, who you can feel safe with, um, and be able to recognize that even though someone may be giving me feedback that's uncomfortable, it's coming from a place of love. um, And they want to make sure that I'm okay. And then I also heard you say one of the most important things, which is don't judge. When people acknowledge that they're struggling, when you see a person struggling, even if they're not acknowledging it. Stay out of that place of judgment and instead be a listening ear.
1: Yeah, 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 and 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 yeah, you 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 you, you summarize <laughs> it very well. <laughs> point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You captured all of that. <laughs> but uh, you know, but I, I think one of the things that um, you know, um, the active listening mm-hmm. is so so critical. I think with not only parishioners but with pastors, because sometimes we are always. Being the one who's communicating, or mm-hmm. feeling as though that we have to give advice, or we have to give some type of direction, but sometimes we just want listening ear too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, and, and and so I thank God for my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. one of the things that you know I really uh, appreciate is that we have this pack when uh, we come home, and she's had a hard day, and mm-hmm. and, and I'm a fixer. I like to fix what she's sharing. And, some, and what we have established that she says, I just need you to listen. Mm. Don't need you to respond.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm not looking for it to be fixed. Mm. I just need you to listen. Mm. And the same with me. I just, I just need to, to vent, yeah. need to listen, you know. Mm. Uh, and so I think those are the kind of, of, of signs or cues that in communication that we establish along the way that helps with effective communication. Um, and, and I think when we talk about judge, um, there's a passage that in Matthew seven, one, when Jesus says, thou shalt not judge, Mm -hmm. but then over in first Corinthians chapter number two, he says, spiritual people judges all things. And so the question becomes, are those two scriptures contradicting one another? Mm -hmm. But when you begin to look at what Jesus was saying in Matthew seven about judging, he taught us and said, this is the way you don't do it. Mm. but he also gave this example. This is the way you you should do it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Don't do it harshly. Mm -hmm. Don't condemn a person. Don't be hyperly critical. Okay. Mm. But it really means that you want to correct. Mm. All right. Correct. At the appropriate time with Mm. love, Mm. with, with, with compassion Uh, with, 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 with honesty. Mm. So it does not mean that if I see someone going down the wrong way, wrong road, that I just stand by and just let them go down the wrong road Mm. with destruction. And so people say, well, you can't judge me. Well, I'm not here to do that. Mm. I'm here to listen. But because I love you, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Okay. And, And have to ask permission. Are you open to receive Mm. what I have to say to you Mm -hmm. in love? I think that way, let that person know that, hey, I still honor and I Mm -hmm. want to respect you as being the one who will tell me whether I can even express this to you or not. And if you tell me no, I'm standing down. Okay? Yeah. There may be another time that I may, you may allow me to do it, but this is not the time. So I think there has to be ways that we can also communicate with each other that gives each other the permission and give each other the cues of what we can and cannot do and respect that.
0: Yes. Yes. Now that is a good closing word. I want to thank the Reverend Dr. J.H. Flakes Third.
1: To God be the glory. <laughs>
0: who uh, is the second of three siblings born to the late Dr. J.H. Flakes, Jr. He has been the pastor of Fourth Street Missionary Baptist Church in Columbus, Georgia. He was educated right in Muskogee, Muskogee County School System and holds degrees. The doctor of ministry degree from McAfee School of Theology, Mercer University, Atlanta, master's degree from the University of Iowa, Iowa City, master's of divinity degree from the Interdenominational Theological Center, Morehouse Schools of Religion, and a bachelor of science from Tuskegee Tuskegee University in Tuskegee, Alabama. And as you can tell, he's got a lot of background and knowledge. He's been on the Mayor's Clergy uh, Commission, Columbus Hospice Board, DFACs uh, in Muskogee County, American Bible um, College, and also a member of the John B. Amos Uh, cancer center advisory board just to name several he has been involved in a lot of things and that's where all this wisdom comes from and we want to thank you for sharing that you've shared a lot of jewels that hopefully will be helpful to pastors but also congregants because sometimes as you said as lay people we need some training and education and understanding as well Um, and the greatest of these of course is love Uh, you can catch tea time with dr tarver begin starting in August, because as Pastor said, uh, we do need to schedule our breaks and be intentional about taking time away. So in July, Tea Time with Dr. Tarver will be taking a much needed rest and sabbatical, and I will be back in August with live episodes. And you can catch me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast listening stations. Pastor, have a great night, and to everyone be well.